0: It is Locked On Jazz for the 22nd of June. More trade rumors. Is it possible that Jazz could get the 10th pick from Mike Conley? I don't really think so, but we'll look into that rumor and whether there's any validity. Who is Joe Mazzula? Is this a hidden candidate by Danny Ainge that we should be taking seriously in the NBA Draft by the Numbers? Part 2, another one I like. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz pow You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, and geeky numbers hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day thanks very much for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day we are free and available for you on all platforms everywhere you get your podcast, including youtube if you'd like to give us a five-star review or give us a like we certainly appreciate it. i don't know who the we is i i would just like it a great deal that's really what it gets down to that's a that's a personal request nothing nothing more than that uh all right, set it up already. I want to give you uh dig into the latest trade rumors. We're kind of victim of these every day. Jazz Twitter certainly is a lot of fun right now. And then I want to discuss Joe Missoula. From the very first minute, we saw the coaching list by Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz. This name jumped out to me as maybe someone we should keep an eye on because it didn't make any sense to have him on the list. And then we'll do draft by the numbers. All right, so... The rumor that's floating is that Washington wants a point guard to keep Bradley Beal. No one really knows what Bradley Beal's plans are. He has kind of done this weird uh, comment where he says, I know what my plans are and I know what I want, but he's not deciding to share that with anyone. I'm assuming that Tommy Shepard, the general manager of the Washington Wizards, knows this, but none of us do. So there's kind of this feeling that Washington needs a point guard, which they certainly do. And there's a feeling that the Jazz would be willing to move Mike Conley at this point in his career. I can't see this. I got to be honest. I've read this rumor. The idea is that the Jazz somehow get the tenth pick from Mike Conley. I, I I don't see it. I don't see the tenth pick from Malcolm Brogdon. I don't see this at all. Now, here's a few reasons why I don't see this. One, Mike Conley's still got a year, two years on his deal, and so it's not. Mike Conley's two years on his deal, Mike Conley's really good. Mike Conley was terrific last year in the regular season. He had a, unfortunately, disappointing playoffs, which may have been a large reason why the Jazz were unable to advance. But his regular season was a top 30 player. So there's a lot of value in Mike, and he's it, the numbers would tell you that he's learning how to play at his age. He doesn't get to the rim anymore. He, there's changes to who he is, but he seems to understand how to do it. He's got $22 million on the books for this year and twenty four on the books for next year on a player option. It, it's not quite a negative contract, but it doesn't lead me to think that like Washington takes him for the 10th pick and just calls it good. I almost feel as though they feel as though they would be taking a little salary and they deserve something else for that. I'm not sure, but but possibly. Depends how they view Conley. I mean, he is, you know, Mike's at 33 years of age. The other reason this trade just, I, I can't see it work, is the Jazz, because they're still over the cap and in the luxury tax, need to take back $21 million of salary. Washington doesn't have dead bad salaries. Like, this is where the league sometimes is just so screwed up. It's almost at times advantageous for you if you're a team and you do a terrible job in building your roster. Because if you do a terrible job in your roster and you suddenly need to move 20 million, you move 20 million. But Washington doesn't have that 20 million to move. Now, Washington has about $121 million on the cap next year. So they're not in a position where they can just absorb salary. I believe that they're $13 million under the cap. They'd have to move $30 million to be able to just take Mike's salary. So you have to get $20 million back. This is where Washington is really funky. Because a little bit we need to know what Bradley Beal's doing. But Bradley Beal's on the books for 36 next year. Chris Porzingis is on the books for $34. Caldwell-Pope is 14000000 million non-guaranteed. Kyle Kuzma is 13 million non-guaranteed. Then Rui Hashimura is six million, and Denny Avada is five million. That that then they're kind of then they have Kiss, Burton, and Gifford. And, but where can you put together 20 million dollars of salary to make this work? You're not getting the 10th pick and Contavious Caldwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma for Mike Conley and Rudy Gay. Like, I mean, you are if you're playing fantasy and you are if you're a jazz fan and you are if you you think the purpose of all 29 other teams' existence is to make your team better. But that's not a deal Tommy Shepard in the Washington Wizards is making and keeping a job anytime soon. So I I just can't see any reality to how this is going to play out. Now, the one we talked about yesterday, the idea of Boyan Bogdanovich going to the – Portland Trailblazers and you take back Eric Bledsoe's contract and you have to eat next year re- a year that contract, that one makes a little sense. Like you could make a pretty good argument that they're getting a lot of value in Boyan. We're getting a lot of value in the seventh pick. We're they're getting a lot of value in giving up Eric Bledsoe's contract. We're taking that one in a way and they get more value for Boy- like that one. You can start to play around with and look at number seven for for Boyan Bogdanovich and say maybe. I don't see this one at all. I've read these rumors. I've seen this going on. The beauty of the NBA is you can start to go to ESPN's trade machine or somebody else's trade machine and put the numbers in and try to figure out a realistic deal. This one's going to have to get multiple teams playing around in it. And But even with multiple teams playing around in it, Washington's really going to have to get, if, if the Jazz are sending Conley to Washington, Somebody's got to be sending the Jazz $20 million worth of stuff. Washington doesn't have $20 million worth of stuff that's bad. Twenty, Their $20 million stuff is Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kyle Kuzma. They're good. I would love Kyle Kuzma. Like, Kyle Kuzma has emerged into a beautiful basketball player. There were flaws in his game in L.A. The player who played last year at Washington, 6'10", long rebounds, does all sorts of things, can switch defensively, seems to be more engaged defensively. That's a beautiful basketball player. And that's something you know, yeah, if we want to go try to get Kyle Kuzma, let's go get Kyle Kyle Kuzma. There was rumors last year of Ingles-Kuzma stuff. If that was realistic, I don't think it was, but if it was, in retrospect, we should have done it. This also gets into the same exact conversation we had yesterday, just fundamentally, and that is, and I don't want to, like, bore you all with it again, but there's three ways to acquire players, right? Draft, trade, free agency. We're limited in what we can do in free agency because of our location And because of our money. We're limiting what we can do in draft picks because of what we have available. What we can do is trade. And one of the most things we really have to avoid is having assets on our books that expire and we don't get anything for them. That's how we're going to reacquire talent, reload this roster, is by getting players through the talent we have right now. So the idea that you would trade Mike Conley for the 10th pick is, again, a very realistic correct roster-building approach, I just don't see this working. The other thing, I don't know who the 10th pick is. Like, it's a beautiful number, and it sounds appealing, and it sounds exciting, and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm less and less impressed the more I hear about this draft. We've heard a lot about Chet Holmgren. We've heard a lot about Jabari Smith. We've heard a lot about Jaden Ivey. We've heard a lot about Paulo Bencero. And then we don't hear a lot. Like, after four on this draft, it really feels as though it's falling off the map. The more I listen to Locked on NBA Big Board and some of these, and we'll get into a guy out of Santa Clara I really like later, but there seems to be just, even when I run the numbers, there don't seem to be a lot of pieces in this draft. So I don't know what you're really getting for the 10th pick. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. And what the Chevy lineup does for you is that incredible, SUV lineup you know so well. The SUV lineup that is the Suburban and the Tahoe. The Utah County assault vehicles that are legendary. Also, the Traverse and then the Trax. The Volt, people who have it love it, know a few people, and they really love it right now with the gas prices. And then you have the great uh, lineup as well of the trucks, the Silverado and the Colorado, all at Murdoch. Chevy they're not charging you more than MSRP part of the Murdoch pledge to the people they've been with for over 80 years so make sure if you're stopped by Murdoch Chevy feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com Today's show is also brought to you by my good friends over at Intercap and our buddy Steve Carter of Intercap Lending. Steve's done two of our mortgages. He's done our CEO of the company's mortgage. He's done multiple locked on host mortgage. He truly is the locked on mortgage guy and the reviews are continually just fantastic whenever anyone goes to Steve Carter. It's just a great pleasure for me, actually, to send you to Steve Carter because, Steve, is, I just have such amazing confidence that Steve will take care of you. And with interest rates rising, if you're looking to get a loan right now, now is the time to do it. Intercap Lending continues to grow. Why? Because they get loans done. That's how you get it done. That's why realtors go to you because they get paid once the is done, And why do the customers go to Steve Carter? Because with the reviews we bring you are so true. Every time someone goes to Steve, they come back with this amazing experience. So check it out. Feel free to email me first at dlock09gmail.com, and I'll just set you up. Or you can call Steve directly at 385 885 That's 385-885-28. 385 Intercap Lending NMLS number 190465. Visit intercaplending.com for more, or just email me and I'll set you up with the VIP meeting. Thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. NBA Draft, Locked on NBA Big Board is out for you, getting ready for the draft. Draft, Locked on Ultimate Mock Draft is up. And draft night, will be having live shows from all of our hosts across the network for you as well after their picks are made. Plus, keep an eye on YouTube for all the latest content. On each show. Joe Mazzula. A name you've never heard of in your entire life until all of a sudden he showed up on the Jazz coaching search. And there's, there's a little something going on with these coaches searches that I think's... And this is not just our coaching search. This is anyone's coaching search. That I think is actually a little unimpressive. So, let me... Let me clarify for a second. I'm not discrediting any of these candidates. But, like, when the coaching search just becomes the two best former head coaches that have been fired, the two local guys that everyone's connected to, and the best assistant coach on the best teams, that's not that creative to me. Like... And I get it. It's super hard to tell what's going on in this league of of who are the best coaches who are not. But like when I see Jerome Allen, despite his background and some of the problems he had coming out of Penn, out of Detroit, and suddenly someone watched the interview, I'm like, Well, that's interesting to me. He's the assistant of Detroit. And this is not to say that Kevin Young and Charles Lee and Will Hardy we talked about aren't wildly qualified and they might be a reason why those teams are so good. But it doesn't take a great deal of creativity to play the Terry Stotts, Frank Vogel, Alex Jensen, Johnny Bryant, and oh, the best assistant coaches on all of the best teams. So when all of a sudden I see a a name that's not one of those, I'm like, oh, who's this? That means to me that Danny Ainge knew something. There's a reason why this guy's on the list. The others are all the natural selection of way we do coaches. We do it in the NFL. We do it in hockey. We do it everywhere. Like, what's the quickest way to get a job? Go to the AFC or NFC Championship game, be a coordinator, get hired as a head coach. Sometimes I think the Detroit Lions offense coordinator might be doing actually the best job because his players suck, and he's actually finding a way to make plays. Like, maybe that's a lot harder than actually getting Tom Brady to have a good offense, right? So I, I'm, I'm never impressed by this idea that we just automatically go hire the best coach, uh, the assistant coach on the best team all the time. So this is why Joe Missoula jumps out to me. Joe Missoula is 33 years old. So we're in again to this game we talked about yesterday with Will Hardy of like, if we know he's going to be great and we know he's going to be a head coach, are we willing to be the ones where he learns? Let me tell you a little bit about this guy. So he's out of Rhode Island. He goes to West Virginia for college. His two college coaches are Bobby Huggins and John Beeline. John Beeline first, generally thought of as the best offensive mind in all of college basketball. Bobby Huggins, a unique character in of himself. You probably learn a lot. While he's at West Virginia, he gets a major shoulder injury. Everyone thinks his career is going to be over. It's kind of told he can't play. He fights through it. And he leads West Virginia to an upset of Kentucky and into the Final Four. And he's this young, feisty, small, scoring guard who's too undersized to be a prospect. But he ends up carrying at 6-2, he carries West Virginia to a Final Four. He leaves West Virginia. Well, he leaves the University of West Virginia, West Virginia University. And he becomes a Division Two. Assistant coach for five years. Division II assistant coaches is a pretty high-level grind here. Like, you're driving the bus, sweeping the floor, wiping off the chalkboard. Your Division II assistant coach, there aren't a lot of you. He's at Glenville State and Fairmont State for those years. He then ends up Leaving those two to become an assistant coach for the main, at the time the main Red Claws, which are now the main Celtics G League team, and he spends a year with Scott Morrison, who's a super interesting coach, by the way. Scott Morrison was the head coach of the G League team for three years in the Celtic system. The main Red Claws then went to Maine or went to the Celtics, was an assistant. He actually interviewed for the job last year when MA Udoka got. He's now in Perth. Coaching the Australian League. So he was a really successful G League coach. After one year as the G League assistant, Missoula goes back to Fairmont State, where he's a D2 head coach for two years, and goes 43-17. and And what happens? But the Celtics hire him back. As an assistant coach on an NBA staff, and he leaves Fairmont State, Division II, to become the Celtics coach. Then Brad Stevens leaves, and he seemingly should be screwed, but he's not. Emma Udoka hires him on his staff. So now all of a sudden you have a guy who, frankly, I'm guessing, Danny Ainge, kind of know, guessing, Danny Ainge found out about, heard about at Fairmont State as an assistant, brought him into... The G League, which was probably run by Austin Ainge, by the way, at the time, works for Scott Morrison, goes back to be a head coach. When Brad Stevens is looking for someone, he goes back to the guy who was impressed with before, and then this guy impresses MA Udoka. This is a pretty good track record for a 33-year-old. And some of the quotes about him are really interesting. Here's what Morrison said about him. Joe was a great addition to our staff. We're lucky to have him. He showed a high propensity for player development and also for kind of relating to players and working with players off the court. He's a student of the game. I love this part. One thing I kind of picked up from him when he was in Maine with me was he was always studying European teams. He played at a pretty high level. He's tough. He looked to learn and expand his horizons. I think he has a confidence to apply what he knows, And what he knows is plenty to coach at this level. What Missoula said about his year in Maine, it made me a better person. It made me a better coach. What the front office and what this organization has done for my career up to this point, I'm forever indebted and grateful to them for putting me in a comfortable situation and making sure I'm learning, making sure I'm getting better, and having conversations I'm having. Love the fact that this guy's on the bench or in the G League studying European basketball. Kind of tells me all I want to know. When he was talking about his career at this point, he says, I'm very fortunate. I've got from great coaches from his, to his high school coach to John Line to Bobby Huggins to his AAU coaches. I've always had great people around me and helped me become a great coach. So that's when Missoula leaves West Virginia or at Fairmont State and becomes the Celtics assistant under Brad. But... The trick is that Emmy Udoka kept him from Brad's staff. I thought this was really interesting. Here's what Udoka said about this. I talked to everyone in the organization when I got hired, players included. He got glowing reviews. I didn't know much about him going into it, but I take the players' opinions at a high value. And he was a guy that was a consensus yes. Somebody that they all worked closely with and believed in and understood his upside. And so once I met with him and Tony Dobbins, Evan, Brad, some of the guys that we kept, it was pretty easy in conversations to see why. Udoka continued, as all of the young guys did, he, he coached summer league, held everything together while I was gone to Tokyo. And so the value and relationship aspect, which was a big part of my coaching staff, he carried that over well. So it's easy to see why once I got to know him and be around him, What I was encouraged our guys to do is to be more vocal, be more out there, get their own voice in the same way I was brought up in San Antonio. I think all the guys have done that throughout the year. We've all learned each other. For the guys that I didn't know as well, and obviously with the Miami series and that being his scout, you've seen him grow throughout the season, and now he's in the mix for some things. Hopefully it goes well. So he had the scout for the Miami series. Great praise for what he did there. Here's the question. Thirty-three. Like, does he need more experience? Can he coach a, a, a team that's not a developing team? Where's our roster going? All the same questions we had last episode with Will Hardy. Joe's got two years of head coaching experience. He's run a program by being in Division Two for all those years. He's really run a program because there's no, no one else is out there to do it. You can. It's similar to being in the G League. I just believe in being a head coach. I I, I, str- I just think that there's a value to having made those mistakes, understood it, managed that. Sure, Fairmont State is not the Utah Jazz. But if this guy's special, seems to be, are you willing to pull the trigger and grab a 33-year-old up-and-coming head coach? Danny's last two hires were not normal. Doc Rivers was not high on people's list after his, his getting fired in Orlando. And Brad Stevens was not someone people expected to get hired. They thought he was a great coach. They just didn't expect him to come to the NBA. Little mentioned, by the way, by Mark Stein the other day of Brad Stevens. I don't think Brad wants to come back and coach, but maybe he does. NBA draft. So there's your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on Joe uh, Missoula in the comment section on YouTube. Let me know what your thoughts. Feel free to hit me on Twitter at Dlock09. NBA draft by the numbers part two. Are there any hidden gems out of the top ten? We'll do that as we continue on Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. The Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, eSports scores, and more. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news. And, yes, they have the NBA odds for the upcoming year, and they're not very optimistic for us. They're done with believing in the Utah Jazz We should believe in the Utah Jazz, but evidently bet online and the NBA futures and the championship as the Warriors plus 450 followed by the Celtics, then the Clippers, the Bucs, the Nets and the Suns. Ah, the Nets still, huh? Dallas and Denver, Miami, Memphis, Lakers, 76ers, Pelicans, Timberwolves, and Jazz. We're down there with the Timberwolves and the Chicago Bulls. At plus 4,000. If you believe, now would be the time at betonline.net. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Which of the multiple Built Bars behind me should I grab right now to show you that I have them with me on the road? Built Bar, the best things come in chocolate. They've got the coconut bar, which is what I had today. Caramel brownie still is available. Brownie batter puffs, churro puffs. Coconut marshmallows, did you get in on the mud pies? Those are all out. You've got to be quick, and you've got to use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your whole order. The macros are amazing on a built Bar if you're a macro counter. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, 4 net carbs, 4 sugars, and 17 grams of protein in your built Bar. That's 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, Four net carbs, four grams of sugar, and seventeen grams of protein. Go to Bilt.com, get your order now, and use the promo code Locked15. NBA draft, ultimate mock draft show is up. Go grab it. Five full episodes. It's like a little drama in and of itself. All thirty picks. You've got till Thursday to get through all of it, so make sure you go to Ultimate Mock Draft next. All right. Let's we I have charted the top. 28 players or so in this first round draft. Here are the best transition athletes. They peak out. Mark Williams out of Duke. Number one is Keegan Murray out of Iowa. Number two is Mark Williams out of Duke. Followed by Chet Holmgren. Then Terry Evans and Jalen Duren. And the last one would be Benedict... Uh, out of Arizona. Best isolation players in the draft. This matters, right? NBA is an isolation league. Now, the question is, does anybody have enough attempts? So, 138 attempts for Paolo Boncero, but he is only, or Boncero, but he's only in the 59th percentile. 82 isolation attempts for Jabari Smith, only in the 71st. The best isolation player in the, in the draft with over 60, over 50 attempts, which is not many guys, is Keegan Murray. So Keegan Murray just came out as the best transition athlete and the best isolation athlete. Love him. Big big, big thumbs up on what that will do for you in the draft. Sacramento at four, maybe sitting on him, depending on what happens with Jaden Ivey. the little people. The rest of the guy uh, is Ivy has 57 isolation attempts, is in the 80th percentile. And the rest of the guys just don't have many attempts. Johnny Davis, who people like, Big Ten player of the year, 56 isolation attempts, only in the 45th percentile. Jalen Williams is better at 71 percentile. Walker Kessler is big seven-footer. 27 isolation attempts, is in the 95th percentile, but very limited. Ty Ty Washington, very limited. Here are the best pick and roll defenders. There's four of them, five of them that jump out. The number one pick and roll ball handler in this draft is out of Ohio State is Malachi Branham. 95th percentile for the freshmen, 6'5", 195, 114 pick and roll attempts. That's super interesting to me if I'm a team and I pick him up. Blake Wesley, who most people have kind of in that same range, 206, but only in the 42nd percentile. No other players in the 90th percentile in pick and roll. The next best is a kid out of Toledo named Ryan Rollins, 6'3, 180, and he's in the 89th percentile, 179 pick and roll attempts. So that's real. Jalen Williams. Junior, 6'6", 210, Mavs draft. Richard Stamen tells me he was not good the first two years, was good this year. Is in the 87th percentile on 209 pick-and-roll attempts. And the only other guys in the 80th percentile are Jaden Ivey again, 173. And actually, that's it. The next one is A.J. Griffin in only 20 pick-and-roll attempts. So those are your best pick-and-roll guys. Best pick-and-roll man, no surprise, Mark Williams. Jabari Smith is great as the pick-and-roll man. 92nd percentile. Who are the best shooters in the top 30 guys in this draft? The number one shooter in the draft, spot-up percentile, is Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. So this get this guy gets interesting. 6'6", 210. Good transition percentile, 83rd percentile. Isolation, 71st, good. Pick and roll elite, 87. Spot up percentile, 87th, 97th. Overall catch and shoot percentile, 97th. Off the bounce shooting, 53rd percentile. I'm at least numerically in on Jalen Williams. Now, I missed badly on Malachi Flynn, which was a small school player out of San Diego State. We'll see on Jalen Williams, but keep an eye on that. Because the numbers love him. Now the spot-up, other spot-up shooters of elite level, you got Jabari. And this is real. 94th percentile spot-up shooting for Jabari Smith on 133 attempts. Overall catch-and-shoot, 84th percentile. Unguarded catch-and-shoot, 100 percentile with a 98% effective field goal percentage on Jabari Smith. Wow. Wow. That's why he's the number one pick, or might be. 85th percentile jumper off the bounce. Guy can really stroke it. AJ Griffin, 91st percentile spot up. Really like AJ Griffin's numbers. Keegan Murray back at us. 85th percentile spot up shooting. Keegan Murray peaks out in these numbers. Late draft pick kid, 6'1, 170 pounder out of Tennessee. Kennedy Chandler, too small at 6'1", hard to survive at 6'1", particularly if you're trying to play shooting guard at 6'1", it's hard. But he's in the 86th percentile, so worth keeping an eye on. Best catch-and-shoot guys in the entire draft, 95th percentile for A.J. Griffin. 97th percentile for Jalen Williams again. Those are the two in the 90s, the guys that are in the 80s. Kennedy Chandler again. Jeremy Sohan shows up here out of Butler, or out of Baylor, excuse me. Malachi Braymond, who showed up on the pick and roll, now shows up as an elite level catch and shoot guy. That gets interesting. Makes me want to dig in on him a little bit. And Jabari Smith. And finally, what's unique to this draft is how many of these guys took over 100 shots off the bounce. There's a lot of them. Are any of them any good at it? The best of Jabari Smith, 85th percentile. A.J. Griffin only took 64, but he's in the 95th percentile. Another reason why he jumps off the charts to me as a guy I really like. And then Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky, 63rd percentile is better than most on 111 shots. These guys have all taken just a ton of off-the-bounce shots. Even the uh, incredible athlete out of Arizona, Benedict Methuen, comes out in the 72nd percentile. So the guy that I'm highlighting today is Jalen Williams. Ranked in the 20s, might be moving up the board into the top 15s out of Santa Clara. Keep an eye on him. 6'6", 210, did not have a good first two years and was terrific this last year. That is locked on. Jazz today, tomorrow we'll look at lower down on the board. I'll make the case for Alex Jensen as your Utah Jazz head coach. And who knows what trade rumor they'll give us next. Have a great one right now. Go to Lockdown NBA Big Board for your second listen. Thank you very much.